Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to AOK. Before we start the episode, we just want to remind you that everyone's sexual and romantic attraction works a bit differently. What you are about to hear are opinions based on personal experience, and any descriptions of romantic or sexual orientations featured in this episode are not representative of any group. Hello, friends, and welcome to AOK, the podcast about people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. I'm your Aeroways host, Courtney Lang, and joining us today is Ro, who is a psychology graduate. Hello and welcome. Hi. Hi. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'm Ro. Um, I'm 24 years old. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. I'm not entirely fussed. And I identify as asexual and aromantic. Great. Um, what does being asexual and aromantic mean for you? Um, so for me, very simplistically, um, I am not sexually attracted to anyone. <laughs> um, I am aesthetically attracted to basically everyone, it seems. like It seems mm-hmm. like I can't go 30 minutes without being like, ooh, they're attractive. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I never want anything to extend past that. I'm very happy just being a bystander that says they're attractive don't ever talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm i not fussed with relationships or sex, so ace-aero as a label sort of works for me. Great. Um, when did you realize that you were ace and arrow? So it sounds cliche, but I genuinely thought that the way people talked about sex was a joke. Mm. Like, there's no way that that's actually how people feel about sex. Right. Like, the whole idea about, like, being turned on and being horny – completely over my head I really was just like this is a big in joke that I'm not familiar with yeah so I I went to university and in my second year I lived with a couple and I was sat talking with the um with my friend the girl and she was talking about like oh how much she missed her boyfriend and how she was so looking forward to him to get back because like you know she's really missed sex with him and I remember very distinctly going like yeah but like but you don't really though because like no one actually really feels like that and she kind of sat me down to you like Ro do you not do you not think about sex <laughs> I was like no I've, I've had sex like I, I know what to do I know what it is and she was like you know but Ro but I think about sex like I want sex and I was like huh that's uh it's pretty different from how I feel mm-hmm. so um I just sort of went away and just had a little think about it and was like, wow, this might actually be a label that I want to consider pursuing. Um, I was quite lucky. I don't know if it's something in the water in Liverpool, but half of my friendship group is asexual people. Wow. Honestly. So when I was exploring my, my sexuality, I had this beautiful group of friends that I could turn to and be like okay is this normal in asexuality and they were like yeah I I feel that or like no but I'm this kind of asexual so you could be this kind of asexual Mm. Um, they were absolutely invaluable like I could not have made this journey without them at all (laughs) that is so awesome Um, what was like the process like for you then like this like you had your friends um, was it a slow kind of realization or was it like you've heard this word and you were like oh shit that's 
it? <laughs> um, it was kind of like an oh shit, that was it moment. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have a lot of self-esteem issues um, from being bullied as a kid, uh, particularly to do with my looks. But then when I grew up, I started to get like, you know, boobs and curves and stuff like that. And then men would pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. And oh, the attention, that felt good. <laughs> so then realizing that sex was sort of off the table for me, I guess, it really panicked me. I didn't want to go back to being ignored and bullied for the way I looked. So for the longest time, I just sort of ignored it. And then when I realized that I physically couldn't ignore it anymore, I went by demisexual because for me, that sort of gave me an out. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so I'm, I am asexual, but like, oh, I can, I can still find people attractive in the future. Like, don't worry, I can be normal later. Right. Um, and like even tried to convince myself that I had experienced sexual attraction when like I super hadn't. Um, so it was, considering I had so many beautiful friends around me to help, it took me way longer than it should have. Yeah, no, um, it's, yeah, it's hard because you have that doubt and it's, it's a hard thing to deal with. Like when you're like, oh no, I don't want to go back to being like that. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, why not? But we yeah, all know it, why not because of like the shame that comes with it, the, the, you know, otherness that comes with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think as well, I had come out as bi when I was like 16 and then I was sort of 21 when I realized that I was ace, um, like a real all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so a big part of me was very reluctant to give up this identity that was really comforting. Um, you know, I'd come out to my family as bisexual, all of my friends knew me as bi, um, I had a bi flag, (laughs) you know, it was a very important, um, identity for me and then to suddenly give it up um that was really really scary it took me quite a while to give up that mantle of being bisexual I guess yeah for sure I mean I have that fear right now of you know like will someday I give up this you know thing that totally defines me right now like what will people think like what happens to all of that you know mental progress I made under that identity um that kind of stuff definitely yeah um I it took a lot of self-introspection and like looking inwards to kind of come to terms with why I was so uncomfortable with being ace and then you know when you take sexual attraction out of romance out of romantic relationships like how do you know what you're feeling is romance and not aesthetic attraction yeah like that's still something I struggle with yes for sure like how do I know that I mean this person is objectively beautiful but Mm -hmm. like do I just want to look at them or should we go on a date I still have no clue (laughs) yes there's a lot of confusion I don't know if you're like me at all where did you kind of go through a thing where you just thought you were different but you didn't know why yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) I had a high school boyfriend who was always astounded that like I'd always be down for sex but I'd never initiate it myself mm-hmm. and he'd be like wow almost it feels like you don't you don't want to have sex and I'd be like that's ridiculous of course <laughs> I do <laughs> everything's fine <laughs> <laughs> so I, I knew I, I think I always knew that I was different mm-hmm. um but 
again, I just couldn't put it into words because I didn't have the word. Exactly. So then when you did come out, is I, I guess when it did finally click and mm-hmm. you did accept it, did you come out right away? I did to my asexual friends. Okay. So there were, there were four of us and we used to have very panicked sessions of like, just affirming our sexuality <laughs> each other, being like, I feel this, does that mean I'm asexual? And one of the person be like, well, I feel it too, and I think I'm asexual, so let's go with yes. Okay. Um, so I came out to them, basically, as soon as I realized. Um, and then no one else. <laughs> sort of kept it very hidden for a very long time. Yes. And then got bored with that. I was yep. like, no, do you know what? Fuck that. All of my friends are queer. They get to wear their pins. They get to talk about their sexuality. Why the hell can't I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I did. <laughs> so then I came out to my friends and I came out to anyone who would listen. Yeah. Um, it took me a bit longer with family. Um, I'm not out to my mum yet. I think I might in the future, but I'm not out to her just yet. Okay. But I, I am out to both of my sisters um, who reacted in the way that I think only sisters can I said hey guys I think I'm asexual and they were like yeah okay uh do you want to get like another drink or yeah <laughs> like, it wasn't an issue they just they didn't care you know I'm, I'm their sister they're gonna love me matter, no matter what mm-hmm. so it just super wasn't a thing for them and it's not like we talked about sex anyway right um so yeah I I'm still hesitant to come out to some people, like co-workers I'm not always out to. Um, and when I was talking about my project with my supervisor, I don't think I came out to her. Um, but I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Not in the way I used to be. Right. Um, so now if anyone stands still long enough, I'll be like, did you know I'm asexual? <laughs> <laughs> Just like Which out of nice. my stop. Hey, uh... <laughs> But it's not because that's how I felt when I was 16 and I uh, came out as bi. All I wanted to do was be like, guys, I'm bi yeah. and like wear the colours and have the badges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's genuinely very nice to feel like that again. Yeah. So you wrote your master's dissertation on the need for ace and arrow representation and like how mental health is connected to um, ace and arrow experience. Um, yep. Do you want to kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, So I decided to do the project on asexuality um, very simply because I was tired of not seeing any asexual literature out there. Um, Being a psychology student, you know, one of the first things I did when I realized this identity was go and look up academic literature because I'm a bit of a nerd. because I was curious, you know, like, what are they saying about us? What do the straights think that asexuality is? Yeah. Um, and it turns out it's nothing because mm-hmm. there wasn't really any literature out there, um, which was really frustrating. And the only literature out there was like a footnote about like it was gay, lesbian, bisexual people. And then all oh, asexuality was included, but not really. Um, so just it was just sort of I wanted to read about asexual literature. And I was like, well, if no one else is going to do it, I've got a whole year to do this project. Mm now's my time great is that how you came up with the idea or were there like other factors involved yeah so I in my third year the year before my master's I'd done another qualitative project so another interview based project um and I really loved it I loved getting to talk to people 
Um, the write-up was hard, but it was very rewarding. Um, so when I kind of saw that there was no academic literature and I was literally being given free reign to write whatever I wanted, um, I knew I had my friend group, which was, like I said, half asexual people. And the LGBT society at our university um, had, uh, was it an asexual president at the time? Oh. And we had asexual rep- representative, um, very, very ace positive, lovely group. So I kind of thought, you know, I've got all of these people who probably have a story to tell and would want to tell it to someone who's like them. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I'd gotten the idea in my head, I just really couldn't let it go. And I was like, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to talk to a bunch of asexual people and just see what comes up. <laughs> that is amazing. I think that's such a good direction to take that project. Um, mm-hmm. Was there anything you like specifically wanted to focus on within that kind of project? So I definitely did want to focus on representation. I think at the time that I was starting to do the project, um, Todd had just come out on Bojack. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was like late 2017, early 2018, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, Something like that, who knows? Um, (laughs) So it seemed like finally we we had this one person that we could look to and be like, look, we've got one, we've got a representation. Yes. but you know I'm I'm female presenting like I still kind of don't see myself represented in Todd um I see a lot of myself there but you know if when you look at gay characters lesbian characters bisexual characters to a lesser degree there are all different kinds you know different genders different body types different races and then you've got just this one cis white guy (laughs) right like it just it was like oh we're almost there but please don't settle for this like you can't just settle for one character um so I I really wanted to talk to all of my interviewees and see uh, first and foremost if they had any ace representation that I didn't know about like in books or comic books or film or anything Mm -hmm. um turns out no one really did but (laughs) it was a good idea I think um and yeah like I know how frustrated I feel when I can turn on TV and not see myself there. So I wanted to see um, if other people felt the same way. And it definitely seemed like it was a big talking point for most most people. Oh, yeah. I, I So I read your dissertation, and I already told you I'm obsessed with it. Um, it's a very good read. Um, but you did have a stat in there. It was something like, I don't even want to say the numbers, but it was under – Definitely under like 60 people out of 906 or something were LGBTQA in yes. media. And then only two of those were ace. Mm-hmm. And was Todd one of them? Yeah, Todd was one of them. And I can't actually remember what the second one was. Yeah, I can't I even like that... think of one. No. <laughs> um, I know that there was a, a New Zealand soap opera. Oh, Sir- had... was it Sirens? Oh, maybe, yeah. I think it's Sirens. They had an an ace character on there Mm -hmm. um, because he was actually inspired by one of the guys that I interviewed. What? Um, I know. What the hell? He was the most amazing man. He was over 50 years old and he'd been identifying as asexual since he was in university. Um, We went to the same university, um, but obviously just a, a lot of time had passed in between. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, I got his details from, like, a colleague. Um, 
and yeah he had like he jokingly identified as asexual because he was a biology major and you know you learn about asexual reproduction and flowers and stuff like that and he was like oh that could be me maybe that's how I'll reproduce so he'd been identifying as that from like the late 80s early 90s damn which is super cool and he does a lot of um raising awareness for it in New Zealand where he lives now and the the showrunners of this um of this soap opera asked if they could base a character after him that which is, is so, so cool that's so <laughs> cool wow I had no idea um I am trying to confirm it that it was sir- sirens but I've see. definitely heard of that so I, I think you're on the right path um Oh, Shortland Street. Oh, yes. But the, maybe Sirens does have an asexual character. I, I know they show, like, LGBT representation, Yeah, right? so I think Sirens did have one, but then the show got canceled. There's two yeah. sh- Siren shows. There's one going on right now about, like, mermaids, like Sirens. Mm-hmm. And then there's one about, like, ambulances. So, ah. yeah, so it was the ambulance one, I think, that... Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. Yes. Um, but that is so cool. Okay, so the character you're referring to is in Short Street. Yes. Or Shortland Street, not just Short Street. It might be a very <laughs> long street. Um, Who knows? That's so, that is so cool. I want, wow, to have a character, like, based off of you yeah. for a TV show. Apparently they were, they were going to make the character gay, and uh-huh. then they were like, no, that's too obvious. And then they came across all of us raising awareness, and they were like, that's pretty good. So wow. That is so, so great. cool talking to him. Yeah. So why do you think representation is important? I mean, so like I said, it is so frustrating to um, turn on the TV and just know that you're not going to see yourself there. Like when I was exploring my identity as asexual and I've been exploring my gender quite a lot at the moment as well, um how are you supposed to really learn anything about yourself if you've got no one to look up to mm-hmm. um it's the same with any representation i think i mean we are very very slowly getting better at queer representation in the media you know very slowly baby steps but we are getting there um i mean like look at pose on netflix like uh the showrunner's a trans woman and it features predominantly trans actors like that's amazing um so it's wonderful that everyone gets to see themselves represented just in a small way apart from us yeah um it just sort of feels unfair and you know we say we we do have Todd which is great but before him I mean all we sort of really had was the mockery of adults who dare to not want to have sex like the big bang theory or sherlock or whatever like that it's Mm -hmm. it's a joke to them like oh my god you're a grown adult and you don't want to have sex like it's just it's a mockery and it's insulting (laughs) it is and it kind of makes you ashamed or like exactly it makes it also makes you feel like there's something wrong with yourself yes i mean again it's another cliche that asexual people feel broken but how are we supposed to not feel broken exactly you're not showing us anyone who's fine you're not showing us anyone who's okay you're showing us these you know very heavily autistic coded characters Mm -hmm. 
and making fun of them. Like, of course we feel broken. Right. <laughs> what it, else are we supposed to feel? Exactly. Um, how is it? So I know you mentioned it's kind of linked to mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, how so? So it's it's very isolating mm-hmm. um, to, you know, to look at all these characters on TV, all these different kinds of people, and then realize that not one of them is you. And they're probably never going to be you because no one knows about you. Um, And I was very lucky because I I do have the most supportive friendship group of the most beautiful asexual people. But, you know, if you're a kid in the middle of nowhere and no one around you has even heard of this phrase, how are you supposed to come to terms with the fact that that's what you are? Um, I know there is a big brouhaha about asexuality being represented in the LGBT community, but the fact is it all stems down to the same places that we're not broken and we're not wrong and we deserve to be able to see someone on TV or in a film that looks like us and acts like us and point at them and be like, oh, that's me. So you interviewed 14 people, right, mm-hmm. for this project. Um, how yeah. was it, to, like, connecting with people who were like you on such, like, a I guess, deep level. Oh, my God. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was 21 when I came out, and I was 22-ish when I started doing my master's work. So I, you know, sort of spent 21 years not really knowing who I was and then having such a big problem with it. Um, Being around all these people, you know, some of my age, some are younger. I had that wonderful 50-year-old man. Um, It was just so affirming Mm -hmm. because I think one of the biggest things is I have this thought like every other day is what if I'm faking this (laughs) you know what if uh, I was right the the whole time and this is just how people feel and I'm making a big deal of that out of nothing you know like how you do with mental health as well yes exactly Um, I do that every day yeah like I can't be depressed (laughs) you know I brushed my teeth this morning depressed people can't do that right um and I get it a lot when I see someone on the street and I'm like, oh, they're beautiful. And then my head's like, oh, can't really be asexual if you find someone beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not how it works. Right. Being around people who shared their fears in the same way and, you know, shared their life experiences. It was absolutely invaluable. Mm-hmm. Like when I spoke with the 50 year old man, he, he asked me kind of quietly if I if I knew any other asexual people. So when I said, yeah, half of my friendship group is, you know, I can name five people off the top of my head who are ace or aero. He got really, really quiet and then like a little bit choked up because that that wouldn't have happened when he was my age. Mm -hmm. So now that there's this whole new generation of ace kids finding each other and rallying around each other and, you know, learning from each other, I think it's it's such a big thing especially for our older generation like it's wonderful I really can't actually put it into words how great it was just being around all these people yeah that's huge I just even from personal experience like finding people who are like you and realizing Mm -hmm. that you know there we are out there yeah because we don't I mean it must be the same for you right yeah it's totally it's like my my world is changing like as we speak (laughs) like me talking to you right now is like so affirming and yeah. just like 
you know, it helps me not question quite so much. Um, oh, good. Yeah, and it helps me not, you know, feel like I sh- like like you know sometimes you, with this like whole older generation trying to tell us to stop feeling like we have to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, snowflake generation. Snowflake generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So it makes you be like, um, am I faking it? Like. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not, but all these people seem to be convinced that I am. So, like, maybe what I'm feeling is what other people are feeling. And exactly. Yeah. And so it's so nice to have, you know, people starting to reach out. And I think it must be because of, you know, um, the world has gotten so much smaller with technology mm-hmm. and all that that we can finally come forward and be like, oh, you're not broken. Um, yeah. You don't have to have sex with your husband because it's your duty um, uh-huh. you know, just like shit like that. And it's, it's really affirming and it helps me sleep better at night for sure. Definitely. I actually, um, I recommended your podcast to one of my friends the other day. He, oh. as a joke, he has always been our one straight friend in our group. And he, <laughs> he just came out as asexual oh, um, shit. about two weeks ago. That's so And I'm so fucking proud of it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and he said, like, we went out for a drink and talked about it. And he said, you know, it was because there is this group of people in, in his friendship group who are so openly and proudly asexual mm-hmm. that he felt okay exploring it. And, yeah, he, I think he'd been to listen to your podcast. And um, he said he just feels so at peace now because, yeah, he's not alone. He's Ugh. so many people who are like him. That makes me so happy. I, (laughs) that's so good because I, sorry, I'm trying to collect my thoughts because I'm just like so touched right now. Um, I, that is the whole point of this podcast. Mm -hmm. I want to reach out to as many people possible. Um, We are rather small right now, but I want to reach far and I want people talking about it because I want it to be a place where you can feel just like, okay, Mm -hmm. just like, you're all right because you're not alone and this isn't something that's wrong with you. And there are so many people out there and there, there's a whole variety of people out there. Exactly. Um, and we're not robots and we're not socially inept. And we, you know, like some people are sex repulsed, but not all of us think, you know, like, ew, sex is gross. And like, yeah, just like to be able to have a place to collect the voices of people who are, going through similar experiences and have this Mm -hmm. same, you know, negative thoughts every day and the same doubts, but like are all very valid and Mm -hmm. there isn't anything wrong with them. They're completely normal. Like it's just nice to be able to hear about that. And no, definitely hearing about your friend group is just like so heartening. And I do hope that this is becoming more of a thing. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing an amazing, amazing work. Well, I mean, like, I think you're doing amazing work, so. Oh, Courtney. <laughs> so we are on the. Did you learn anything in this project? Oh, so much. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest ones was, uh, so everyone's got their own stories, their own stories about coming out, you know, like how old they were, how they realized how far along they are on their journey. But we all had these very similar experiences if you know like oh no 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 I'm I'm probably just faking it mm-hmm. or this this can't be who I am um 
and how everyone felt about representation and um like we talked about the relationship dynamics that was a huge one that came in um I think in all of my interviews um once once you take sex out of the equation like what does a romantic relationship mean yeah um so I kind of learned that it is like a huge shared experience just with different paths leading off like different journeys I just like these quotes you pulled out are so good another one that really resonated with me was the whole thing about innate understanding Um, sure yeah like um do you want to explain that a little bit okay so one of the issues I especially had with realizing I was ace and I wasn't old you know I was 21 22 when Mm -hmm. I realized that's not old right but when you know, you see all those heartwarming news stories on Facebook or whatever, that, like, this kid realized he was gay when he was three years old, and, like, it's seen as less valid if you realize your sexuality later on in life, Mm. Um, or at least it did to me. I don't know if I was just projecting onto myself, but, you know, everyone sort of says, like, well, how are you just realizing now? Like, you're an adult. You should have realized this before. Um, so if you're realizing it now, then, oh, is it because of trauma? Is it Are you being influenced by people? Do you just want to feel special? That sort of stuff. So that really stuck with me because I didn't have that innate understanding. Mm-hmm. But I did interview people who did, you know. Um, the, the, the guy from New Zealand who I keep going back to because mm-hmm. his interview is just amazing. Um, he said he knew from the time that he sort of hit puberty, like 12 years old, he just instantly knew that this wasn't for him that he was a sand hero um so I found it very interesting how there are there were a lot of people who realized sort of later in life like me but again there were people who realized when they were kids or like in their when they were teenagers um and the whole idea of so with like with labels so I heard asexual and it freaked me out. <laughs> I heard asexual and heard different. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'd been bullied for was just being different and being wrong. So when I heard that, it was automatically like, no, 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 I'm not having this. Yeah. But brilliantly for a lot of other people, they heard asexual and it was this click and it was, oh my God, that's me. There's a word. And hearing the word just made everything fall into place. Which then, again, ties back into representation, because I didn't even hear the word until I was 21. Right. Like, who knows? Maybe if I'd heard it when I was 13, 14, I would have taken a completely different path in life. Right. Maybe I would have identified back then. Maybe I would have, you know, come out sooner and had a, a, an entirely different life. Mm-hmm. But we can't know, because no one talked about it. Exactly. Because... <laughs> It's not a well-known sexuality. It's never mentioned in the media. The first time I heard it, I knew that it was me. I didn't like it, but I knew it. But the fact that I had to wait until I was 21 years old to hear that, like, that's that's too long. Like, yeah. that's way too long. It is such a good dissertation. Oh, um, thank you so much. Yes. I, are there any, like, plans for the future, like, that you hope to kind of, like, proceed with stuff like this or – like, what's next? So, well, immediately what's next is to finish this first level of counselling. Mm-hmm. My very, very, very long-term goal is to be a fully trained counsellor and to start my own counselling service that focuses on queer counselling. Um, so I would hire 
counsellors of colour, counsellors of um, different disabilities, of different sexualities and gender identities. And if a person came in seeking counselling that was one of these identities or disabilities or minorities or whatever, they would have someone like them to talk to. Um, Because one of the one of my interviewees mentioned in one of their first counselling sessions, they mentioned being asexual. And half of the counselling session was taken up by explaining what that meant to the counsellor, which then meant that they weren't getting counselled. <laughs> like They weren't talking about their issues. They were educating someone um, on their identity. So, yeah, my dream is to set up a counselling service where anyone of any gender or sexuality or any identity, anything could come and if they wanted to speak to a counsellor like them so then there is no need for this education and you know there's a lot of things that ace people have in common that they don't with aloe people like it's just one of those things um so if you wanted to talk about that maybe you just feel more comfortable talking about it with someone like you yeah no that's such a good idea i can't even begin to remember all the times that I've had to explain it in situations where it just didn't benefit me at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you turn into the teacher instead of, you know. Exactly. Where this is supposed to be a space for you. Like this is the one space you get to talk about everything that you want to talk about. You you don't want to waste it giving a lesson on something. Exactly. Well, let's wrap up with our last question. Um, Who is someone important to you? So this is another question that I spent hours on. I was like, oh God, who am I going to have to not talk about because I love them all so much. Um, But honestly, one of the most important people in my life ever is my mum. And that really did stem from after losing dad, you know, he was my dad and that was really hard, but he was her best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were always close, but we've grown a lot closer. Um, in the years since dad died we've grown a lot closer especially because she is now asking me questions about different identities and different sexualities um i have a friend who uses they them pronouns and my mum uses them you know she she always asks after my friend and says like did i did i say they them that i meant to and i'm like yeah you said they good job and she's really genuinely trying right now to learn you know she's in her 50s it's it's harder for her Mm -hmm. but she's not she's not shutting me down I think the way that she used to when I was younger when I came out as bi to her it was a bit more difficult um but now that we're now that I'm an adult and we can talk properly it's genuinely very sweet having these conversations with her where she asks me about these identities just so she knows so she's not going to offend anyone Mm -hmm. um that means a lot to me. That's so, great. I think my mom. Do you think if I can't say my mom, then my cat definitely. My cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your cat's name? Honey. Honey. Oh my god. Um, what is your favorite thing about Honey? Oh my god, she is the fattest cat that I've literally <laughs> ever seen. She's I might chunky. have to email you a picture. Oh, the chunkiest. <laughs> I might have to email you a picture. Yes, actually, please do. Oh my god. Absurd. Um, if you email me a picture, can I post it on our Twitter? Oh my God, absolutely. Hell Please yeah. do. Okay. <laughs> but going back to your mom, it, like, 
with this progression of being more, you know, self-aware about like the terms she uses and just overall being, it sounds a little more open-minded. Um, do you think you would be coming out to her in the foreseeable future? Honestly, yeah, I do think so. Yeah. Um, the reason I didn't come out to her when I first realized, other than the fact that I was still sort of hiding it from people who weren't ace themselves, was um, I was in a relationship with someone who, when we broke up, they came out as ace. Oh. So I, I never wanted my mum to think that I was coming out as ace so I could win them back or, yeah. like again to like feel special or to be part of something I never ever wanted her to ignore my identity in that way right so now that me and this person have been broken up for a while like they're still one of my best friends um and now that they my mum is very genuinely trying to learn um I think yeah in the foreseeable future I think I could see myself sitting down and having that conversation with her well that's all I have for you today um, thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on this phone call. I'm so glad Skype worked out. And thank you to everyone listening. If you're enjoying the show, please do us a big favor and leave a review on iTunes or head on over to www.patreon.com slash AOKpod and consider supporting AOK. That's patreon.com backslash AOKPOD. And as always, thank you to Uberkick for the use of their song AOK, to Tanner Grayler as Rats and Children for creating our cover art, and to Sophie Lalonde for editing and producing this episode. I'll be back next week with another guest, but until then, I'm Courtney Lang. And I'm Ro. And, and we, we are, are A-OK. A-OK.